Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. It's been a while since we've recorded anything. I want to catch us up to where we're at, the passage where we're at, and we are in Exodus chapter 17. Moses and the children of Israel have been wandering through the wilderness. God had brought them out. He had given them the manna, took them on a journey across the wilderness. He brought them to the area called Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Now, Rephidim is important because Rephidim means place of rest. Rephidim, this name of this area, is a place of rest. And so God, knowing their travels, he brought them to a place of rest, okay? And they are thirsting. And we've talked about the thing, and and we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul talks about this point here, and he's talking about the children of Israel have eaten the spiritual food, and they've drank of the spiritual water of the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And so we already know, we've got an establishment that there's, there's a lot of symbolic language happening here. The event happened, but this is just not a story with these events to prove a point. This, I mean, this is historical, and as God brought them through this journey, it gives us a pathway, a map for our journey. And so we have to be watching for the symbolism. And you guys, I talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about how, you know how it is to be thirsty, especially with as hot as it's been lately. Sometimes you get thirsty and it seems like nothing will quench your thirst. And so that's where the children of Israel are at. So God's brought them to this place of rest and they're thirsty and they begin to complain to Moses. And this is Exodus 17.3. The people there thirsted for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Remember we talked about thirst being that empty craving. Some people we've we've talked about in the past, some people would call that that God-shaped hole within us, that craving to have communion or contact with God. And we replace that thirsting many times with addictions, with other people in relationships, with things. We try and fill that hole with all kinds of things. And that's where we would get the idea of idolatry. We're crying out for a God that will fill that, that will quench that thirst. I need to also, at this point right here, I'm going to begin to establish something as we go, as we begin to journey on. Remember, we talked in the beginning of this journey, actually, when we were in Genesis, and we talked about God creating us in his image. We're not just image bearers. In other words, we're not just to reflect the image of God, but we are actually created in his image. We are a triune being, as God is a triune being. God is Father, Spirit, and Son, and we are body, soul, and spirit. Look in the book of Exodus in this journey, begin to see God breaking down these three parts so that we in turn can look at our own lives and begin to pull out and see patterns and things in our lives that are going on and to be able to apply this to ourselves. Because the story of Moses in the Ten Commandments is a great story. There was a purpose in the journey, but there's even more so a purpose for us individually. So I'm going to lay this foundation so that you can see it. We'll talk more about it as we go. If you want to think of it this way, 
If you want to look at Moses, like sometimes Moses represents, he's a symbolic, he symbolizes the Messiah, the Savior, right? He led the children out of Egypt, but yet God is very clear that he is the one leading Moses, and he is there. His presence is there leading Moses and the children of Israel. Let's look at it this way and break it down this way. Moses being a parallel to our spirit, then subjected to Moses, the number two would be Joshua as a representation of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and the children of Israel at large representing our body. Can we picture that? Moses representing our spirit, Joshua representing our mind, our will, and our emotions, and the children of Israel representing our body, or we'll say our flesh, with all of its desires, right? Because you know our flesh has some desires. If you begin to look at things this way, and you look at the children of Israel, what are they doing? They're blaming Moses for bringing them there, The children of Israel were complaining to Moses. Moses said to them, why are you complaining to me and why are you testing the Lord? This is what ends up happening. I'm going to put this into, let's let's look at this in our lives. I'm going to put this into perspective as far as my life goes. There are so many times where I get into situations and my flesh is crying out and kind of like, I don't blame God for the situations. But I'm blaming somebody for leading me into, these, into the situations I'm in. And I'm looking for answers. And that's kind of what we do. We may say, God, you said this. I felt like I was following you, God. I felt like I was doing what you wanted me to do. I felt like I was doing the right thing here. And God, it feels like you're far from me. And that so often is, I mean, we're complaining to our spirit. We don't look at it in terms of that. But something within us is complaining because we're following something that we believe is God. There are so many times that we're following actually promptings. God is leading our spirit and we're following. Our spirit is following and we believe it's God. Sometimes we get our soul kind of mixed up in there, but and sometimes God is doing things and we just don't even understand and we're expecting different results. So we begin to, God, what are you doing? And it's just like when we talked about before when, when the children of Israel said, God, are you even with us? So they're at the place of rest, but this is just right up the road from Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai, and we're going to go there in a little bit. But so Moses goes and he strikes the rock and water comes forth. They receive water. They receive that spiritual drink that Paul was talking about. And so he calls the place Massah and Merbath because the people, uh, because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Amalek comes. He is the leader of the Amalekites. Amalek has several meanings. They are valley dwellers, one who, the, the one who licks up like a dog. In Hebrew, the root word means to travail or vexation or sorrow. We don't use those words anymore. What we would say today would be, it would describe as depression and anxiety. That's 
kind of what this represents, depression, anxiety, but not just that, all that stuff that happens in the low places. Moses said to Joshua, choose some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let, his hands, let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy so that they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Remember, we're picturing and we're talking about Moses being a representation because in this story, if we look at of what this symbolizes, if it's just a story about what happened, it would seem strange that they would go into this detail just to tell us this weird story about Moses standing on the hill and Joshua being in the valley. So there has to be something we have to learn from this. There has to be a lesson involved in this. And so there's three parts. There's many parts in this, but there's three parts to what Moses is doing that I believe we can see and we can back up with Scripture because we're going to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. If we look at what Moses Moses was doing, he held up his hands. When the Bible, when Scripture speaks about holding up hands, it's holding up holy hands, the lifting of hands, that's always connected to prayer and worship. Lifting your hands is always connected to prayer and worship. And there's many examples in the Bible of that. So that's one thing, prayer and worship. So if we're using this to learn lessons about how to do battle with the valley dwellers, with the things that are going on in the valley, one of the important things is it starts out with worship. But like the Bible says, even the youth get tired and faint. We get tired. A couple of weeks ago after Tom had passed, after my brother had passed, it was hard for me to lift hands. I was beat down. I was tired. I was discouraged. It was hard. But so the next part of this is, is when he got tired, Aaron and her pulled up a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Now we've already talked about several instances in the scripture where the Bible compares the stone to Jesus. Just in Corinthians that we talked about, Jesus is that stone, is the chief cornerstone. Moses got tired and it was important that he rest on Jesus. That he, his hands are raised in prayer and worship, not just as an act, but as a connection to God who his help would come from. He rested on the rock, and this is an important thing. When his arms got too tired for him to lift, he needed people around him to hold his arms up. And we need people. We're social beings. God said it's not good that man should be alone, and he wasn't just talking about Eve. He was talking about us being social creatures. It's not good that we're alone. Here's three keys right here. He rested on Jesus with the connection to God. And as long as he was doing that, Joshua, who was down in the valley, won. And so this goes back to the thing. If Moses in this story is representing our spirit, 
It's in connection with God. Praising, praying, worshiping God, resting in Jesus on the hill. Now what ends up happening is, is our soul and our body are in this world, right? They're in the valley. You guys, when Moses' arms went down, Joshua and the children of Israel that were with him fighting, they began to lose, and they felt it. They, they felt the struggle. The war was re real. You know, when the Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers of this present age, and, and all the ugly, mean, nasty, evil stuff, Joshua was actually fighting. <laughs> he was fighting. But what was happening in the valley was totally contingent upon what happened in the hill, not the other way around. What happened on the hill was to happen regardless of what was going on in the valley. It didn't matter what Joshua was, was feeling. Now, let's look at that when I talk about when our spirit is in connection to God, we have to remember these things because our flesh and our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions will be in the valley warring against depression, anxiety, all the things that come against us, the things of our flesh, the hurt, the pain. All of that will be being attacked by this enemy. So all of that's going on. So when we're in a battle, so there are a lot of times we cry out to God, God, deliver me from this. Deliver me from this. Get me out of this. But sometimes we have battles we have to fight. And our soul and our flesh is not going to like it at all. They're going to be experiencing the consequences of being in battle. But our spirit needs to stay connected to God in worship and prayer, resting on Jesus and we will win the battle. So let's go on. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Okay? This is important. And recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Well, why in, just, why in the hearing of Joshua? Why not with everybody? I'm sure everybody got to hear it, but he was recounted in hearing of Joshua. If you go back to Psalms, David would talk to his soul and say, soul, why are you downcast? He would speak to himself. The conversations, his spirit would speak to his mind, his will, and his emotions and say, listen, listen, my spirit saying to my mind, my will, and emotions, listen, I know you're messed up right now. I know you're feeling your feelings. I know your emotions are crazy right now. I know your mind is telling you you should get up and do something to make this situation better so that you don't feel this way. But you can't. Remember. Remember when God took care of this? Remember when God did this in your life? Remember when God did that in your life? And begin to recount the things that God does in our lives to bring us out of stuff to encourage us. And I believe that that's what he was saying here. Recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Tell your, have your spirit, tell your mind, your will, and your emotions. Listen, God's done it before and he'll do it again. 
Remind him that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, this may look like a contradiction. Because he just said in the previous verse that he was going to blot out the name of Amalek. But here it says, the Lord says that he's going to be our banner. And he's sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. We have an adversary. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. But our flesh and blood feels the battle. Our mind, our will, and our emotions feels the battle of what's happening in the spirit realm. But this is what God promises us, that he will do battle from generation to generation against these things that come against us, against the things in the valley, against depression, against anxiety. And now, if you stop and you think about the times where that pull you away from God the most, the times that cause you to stumble and make bad choices the most, the times that trouble you the most... If you had to put a sticker on it, you could call it a lot of things. You could call it anger. You could call it frustration. You can call it self-pity. You can call it a lot of things. But I believe that they all are connected in some way to this. Anxiety and depression. We get depressed because people have hurt us. We get depressed and angry because, and we hold bitterness and all of that because of things that have happened to us. And so we hold on to this and it sets us into depression. Depression and anxiety in our culture today are overwhelmingly destructive. So many people struggle. I'm, I should have looked this up beforehand. What national figures are of people who report to be experiencing depression that tells us that people are in a battle. They're in a spiritual battle. And the overwhelming majority of people don't understand this lesson of how do you fight this? And so what do they end up doing? They end up turning to drugs and alcohol. We know that addiction is way up. They end up turning to sex and pornography. Pornography is skyrocketed. Buying things, shopping, doing everything you can to try. And the internet is making it so much easier to buy all of that stuff and have it at your door the next day to try and anesthetize and to try and make yourself feel better and not feel what you're feeling. But remember when we talked about all of the needs that we have. When we start experiencing depression and anxiety, it's because we have unmet needs. And that will drive us to try and meet those needs or numb the pain of having unmet needs. And one of the first needs, remember we talked about the needs being significance, security, and socialization, which is relationships. And so, here we are. We've just finished the battle. And we've been victorious. But we know that we've been thirsty, we're tired, and it's time to move on now. It's time for us to go receive our significance. It's time for us to receive our identity and who we are. And that we'll pick up next week.
Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.